because I think those are total bitches. Hello, and welcome to Writing in Real Life, a podcast about writing, parenting, publishing, and marriage. I'm Morgan Baden. With me is my co-host and husband, Barry Liga. Hello, everybody. So today was a really fun day. It was one of those, first of all, it was a beautiful day. It was cold, but it was beautiful and sunny. It was one of those days when you don't hate living in the city. Basically. And I, I feel like I'm very much getting spring fever. So the second I see a ray of sunshine, I'm like, let's go outside, even though it's so cold. Even though it's like 35 degrees out. Yeah, there's like tears running down my face. Right. But, you know, the, the funny thing about being a new parent of a, of a young baby, uh, that I'm sure is very different once you're a parent of a second or third or fourth kid, or when you're a new parent and the baby's not so new anymore. Right. But there's all sorts of these little milestones that feel really huge when you accomplish them that otherwise are no big deal at all. And today I feel like we had one of them. Definitely. We definitely. we took the baby out into the city, which very rarely happens. The big bad city. Uh-huh. Way uptown, <laughs> all the way on 61st Street, guys. <laughs> yeah, I get a nosebleed if I go above 42nd. <laughs> and, um, and had brunch with some friends and their babies. And um, so, number one, that was a, a milestone, I think, just because I, I don't mind taking Leia out. Obviously, I love taking Leia out when we're close to home. Right. But being this far from home, I mean, you know, it was a solid, what, 25-minute car ride yep. or 45-minute subway ride. So... So, so that's a big deal to me. Well, not only did we do this, but we managed to get through the, the entire meal without her throwing things, without her <laughs> freaking out, without people at other tables looking at us like, oh, those, you know, the way we used to look at people who right. brought young children into restaurants. Oh, speak for yourself. It just went really well. It, it did. She was an angel. Fabulously yeah. well. I figured out how to eat pizza left-handed because I was holding her <laughs> while I was eating. And yeah. But it was just really cool to to be able to do something like that. That again, in retrospect... It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. But when you're a but parent... when you're doing it for the first time... Yeah. And it's yeah. these little milestones that, that make you realize you're progressing and, and you're getting better at this. And that there is life after giving birth. Exactly. That you can get back to a bit of normalcy. Right. So I started thinking those are the, the sort of mini parenting milestones. Are there writing milestones that are different from the obvious ones? So the obvious ones, of course, are finishing a book, getting an agent, getting a book published, right? Sure. But what are some of the other sort of little milestones that you maybe don't think about? And for me, I think one of the biggest ones has always been successfully completing a, a revision. Oh, revision. <laughs> so that's one. I would say another one, too, for aspiring writers, I think, is writing a good query letter. Because I think those are total bitches. And to get one done that is, uh, you think, a good one and you're getting positive feedback from agents on, that's a big milestone, too. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I, the query letter conversation is a it's, whole possible, yes. is another whole topic in and of itself. Mm-hmm. I think that people stress and fret way too much about the I query agree. letters. Mm-hmm. And so I agree it's a milestone, but I would say the milestone is less about writing a good one and more about realizing to just chill the hell out yeah, about it that's in true. the first place, mm-hmm. which leads to you writing a good one because you're not thinking, well, if I use a 12.5 spaced font, is that going to turn this right. person off? And yeah. relax, dude. Yeah. Chill. Nobody I mean, cares. I used to read a lot of the writing message boards, which are super helpful. There are some really popular ones. Sure. And again, really incredibly helpful. But it is funny. Some of the some of the questions people had about queries were just so... I mean, they were just hyper-focusing on things that just didn't matter. And, you know, it's, yeah. it, you're right. That is a whole 
other show. But anyway, so for you, Barry, are there writing milestones that you still experience? Yeah. You know, uh, just the other day, I broke 10,000 words on the book I'm working on right now. Mm -hmm. The one that shall remain nameless for the time being. And that felt like a milestone. Normally, it would take me a week and a half to get to 10,000 words. And I wouldn't look at it as a milestone, Uh quite frankly. But this time, given that it took me about almost two months to get to 10,000 words, it feels like a huge milestone to to break five digits on this thing. Well, you've been sort of cruising along the past few days, I feel like. See, that your definition of cruising, maybe. I I feel like I'm still... I've never driven a manual car in my life, so I have no idea if what I'm about to say. I feel like I'm still in second. Is that a thing? That's a, that's a, you're in that second gear. That's fine. Yeah. There you go. Second gear was always my favorite gear. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I feel like it's going very slowly. I know that for the past week or so, I've emerged from the office a couple times and said, hey, just did 500 words. And you've been like, oh, my God. And to me, that just feels ponderous. Yeah. That just feels like like I'm wearing cement shoes and going for a swim. But it is what it is, and yeah. it's fine, and I'm glad that there's any forward progress yeah. at all yeah. with, with this project because it is it is difficult to find the time. Well, and you said something funny this week, too, a few days ago. I said many ago. funny things. <laughs> sure. Which was wow. that you came out of a shower, and you said, well... <laughs> no, wait a minute. You're going to tell people I said something funny after coming out of the shower? <laughs> Great. Well, no, interesting, which is typically when you shower, you listen to a podcast. We, we Listeners, he and I both have these really cute little uh, Bluetooth speaker system set up in the shower um, that we hook up our, our music and our phones to. So, um, so you know, when you're having a nice, long, relaxing shower, you can listen to something. And Barry always listens to podcasts. Right. And, well, what happened? You didn't hook it up this time? I just didn't bother. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you came out of the shower and said, well, I don't think I can listen to podcasts in the shower anymore because in the silence, I had a whole bunch of writing breakthroughs about the book. Right. And I came out and I, I immediately went to the office and cranked out, I think, about 700 words. Yeah. Pretty quickly, yeah. Uh, because I wanted to get it all down before I forgot it. And then I, the other funny thing that I said to you was, I need some sort of system for taking notes in the shower. Yeah, yeah. Which that is the great unsung issue of our time. I think there <laughs> needs to be. I need either like some sort of you know they make these uh, water water markers for kids where they can draw on the yeah. on the tub when they're when they're babies uh-huh. taking baths. That's what I need. There so I can just write on the wall while I'm in the shower. You know, yeah. my ideas. Sure. That's, that's, you could also just have a little notebook right outside the shower and a towel and, you know, get wet. solve it in a low tech way, but okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> the more complicated and techno- technological the solution is, the more I like it. Well, so let's do a quick update on, on our projects right now. Sure. How is yours going? Well, I, I think I mentioned last week, I turned in a revision on my middle grade mm-hmm. to my editor and that's great. She's, she's looking at it right now. And then, yeah, I, I just broke 10,000. I think I'm close to 11,000 now words great. on, on the new book, the new YA and some pieces are falling into place. Last week I talked about how I'm writing this, not just out of order, which I do a lot of times when I'm working on books, I write them out of order, but out of order and really tiny pieces. Mm. I'm not sure how they're going to connect up later. I'm not sure where these pieces are going to fit. I just know at some point he needs to murder Kermit the frog. Right. Right. And Oh, it's that kind of book. It's that kind of book. At some point, he needs to murder Kermit the Frog because that little green bastard has it coming. And I don't know when, where, why, or how, but it's going to happen. And I've got this bit of dialogue about it. So I'm just going to write it down and I'll figure out how to patch it in later. And that's what I've been doing. 
And lately, things have started to connect up a little bit. And I think probably sometime this week, I will need to sit down and take the time to actually start to organize all of this stuff. Okay. Because it's getting a little crazy right now. Yeah. Um, looking at this document. So that's where I stand. What about you? I know you've got an exciting update. Do I have an exciting update? I feel like it's exciting. My update is that I, I have been working. That, but that's more oh, than last okay. week, so that's exciting. Well, that is, okay. <laughs> I was like, what am I missing? Um, yeah, no, I am, I'm pleased. As everyone knows, I was sick last week, so I didn't get anything done. Um, this week I have opened up the manuscript quite a few times. Even last night I was impressed with myself. Nothing like a rock and Saturday night, like sitting down with a glass of wine and writing, which is actually really great. Um, but I said to you, I was like, I don't feel like doing it. I'm exhausted. I'm just not in the headspace. But I didn't do it Friday night, so I felt like I really needed to sit down for at least 30 minutes and just see what I could get done. Um, And I ended up, A, getting a decent amount done, and B, writing for 45 minutes or so, which is kind of embarrassing to admit. Like, that's ridiculous that I'm excited about writing for 45 minutes. But That's all I've managed to crank out these days, 45 minutes at a time. Yeah. So anyway, so that's where we are with those. But this week, overall, has been a really exciting week for both of us work-wise. Yes. Uh, Because you got to announce... I got to announce a new book, The Secret Sea. Yes, this is the middle grade novel that is coming out in spring 2016. And I am, which by the way, spring, for those of you who don't know, in publishing terms, spring is actually winter and spring. Yeah. Because there's only three seasons in publishing. There's spring, summer, and fall. Mm -hmm. There's no winter in publishing. Winter gets subsumed into spring and fall. So, uh, yeah, this will come out next spring. Which could be any time from January to May. Yeah. I don't know which. And this is the book I've been dying to write for so long. And I love, love, love this book. I am so happy with this book. I am so in love with this book. I'm so thrilled about it. And I've already blogged about it twice and it just <laughs> got announced. I'm just really, really happy about this book. It is it's crazy. It's a crazy book. It's got all these different things. You know, that that don't seem like they connect, but it's got, you know, something from Hurricane Sandy in there. It's got a strange disease that only affects identical twins. They're a real disease. Like, I didn't invent this disease. It's a real thing. And it's got just all kinds of strange things, quantum physics, that you think, these things do not go together. And if you're me, you go, oh, no, these things must go together. Mm-hmm. And I jammed them all together and glued them together, and uh, and it worked somehow. I still don't know how it worked, and I'm so happy, and I cannot wait for this book to come out. I'm really excited. The, You've uh, been waiting forever because, I mean, th- this book has, like, lasted pretty much the length of our relationship almost. <laughs> I've been working on this for a long time. Yeah. I sold it two years ago. I hadn't written it yet. I sold it two years ago. Was it that long ago? Yeah. Wow. It, was 20, it, was, it was March 2013 when we sold it. Wow. And I remember because it was literally in the morning, I got an email from my agent saying, hey... We've, we, we got, got an offer from Fywell and Friends. We've accepted it. I said, great. Literally six hours later, I get the call from my editor at Little Brown saying, you've hit the New York Times bestseller list. Oh, wow. And I'm like... This yeah. is a good day. Well, it was a good day, but also I'm like, I wonder if I would have gotten a better deal <laughs> if, this, if I'd hit the list yesterday instead of later on today. Well, it's all about timing. It's all about timing. So yeah, I remember it very well. It was, it was March 2013, and I was sick, interestingly, mm. coincidentally enough. And, uh, and, and I hadn't written the book yet. I'd only written a little bit of it and sold it on proposal. And then, uh, and then, you know, it took two years for everything to come together because 
I had to write After the Red Rain first. I was contractually obligated to write that first. I had to write the Lucky Day novella. And we got married Mm -hmm. in there. And just all these things happened that kept pushing this book back. And so, but I have been obsessed with it from the beginning. And I'm so glad now that it, it's a real thing. Yeah, it's really exciting. And you wrote a blog post this week, and um, we'll put it in show notes because I think it's a really important one where you talk about the importance of someone having vision and faith in a writer. And that's what you have in, in the editor for this book. Yeah, Liz. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it, it's very important. I think that, you know, back in the days when I was doing the the writing conference circuit, <laughs> There were a lot of writers that I would speak to who would be very frustrated when an editor or more typically an agent would say, look, this looks good, but it's just not for me. Mm -hmm. And they felt like that was a dodge. They felt like there was something the editor or agent really wanted to say, but they were using this, it's just not for me as an excuse and as a way not to say this other thing. Mm -hmm. And in a few cases, I'm sure that's true. But for the most part, I mean, I know a lot of editors and agents and I can tell you, that really matters, and I know that a lot of uh, a lot of people have the attitude. Well, it doesn't matter if it's for you; if it's good and you can make money at it, take it. Right. That's not how this business works. You need people who are passionate about what you're working on. They have to have faith in you. They have to have the vision to see what you see. They've got to love what you're doing because if they don't, publishing a book is a long, strenuous protracted, difficult process. And I'm just going to say, if it took like a week, then I could see the argument for, uh, just do it. If just you know you're do it for the money. money. Right. But it's years, literally it's years. I mean, think about the fact that Liz Sabla, the wonderful editor at file and friends who bought this book, who bought the secret C, she has read this thing three times already. And it's a long book, people. <laughs> yes, it's middle grade, but it's a Barry Liga <laughs> book. It is over 500 pages. So, She's already read it three times. Mm-hmm. She's going to have to read it probably three more. Yeah. What's the last book you read six times? Yeah. And now I'm not talking you read it once a year because you love it so much the way I do replay or Salem's Lot. I'm talking... Or the re- way I do with the Babysitter's or Club. Or the way you do with Babysitter's Club. Or the way I do with comic books. <laughs> I'm talking about... The same 500-page book, yeah. reading it over and over again. And closely. Closely in, say, an eight-month period. Yeah. Wow. Now, if you don't want to put a gun to your head right now, there's something wrong with you. Editors do that. Yeah. They've got to love it because it's the only way you can get through it. I'll tell you. I'll be honest with you. I write these things. And by the time I've read it the third or fourth time going through it to do revisions and copy edits and all that crap, I hate it. Mm-hmm. I hate the book by the time it gets to you. Because it's a bold statement because I've read it no, so I much know. and familiarity yeah. breeds contempt. Yeah. It takes a while. Like I only, only recently got to the point where I don't hate some of my early books because I'm, I'm finally at the point where I can look at them and not go, Oh God, I have to look at this again. Yeah. So, wow. so that's why, yeah, faith and vision are important. They've got to love it. They've just got to love it. Mm-hmm. Cool. So also this week, um, on my front, Totally random. Yeah, talk about this. You're totally not, random. You're an internet superstar. Yeah, something like that. Um, no, I got a call out of the blue on Tuesday of this week from a former colleague who does, who now does PR for for movies and television, and she said there's a panel we're hosting at 
AOL build tomorrow um, between a filmmaker and a sort of famous doctor, and we need someone to moderate it. Can you do it? And I was like, what? Um, <laughs> Wait, what, you were like, what? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> uh, why me, essentially? And it was twofold. One was they needed a moderator. Right. <laughs> it was short notice, and she knew me, and she knew that I do, I do a lot of panels, so at least I had some experience with this. And the second was that part of the theme was some social media bullying. Right. And uh, obviously, and social media is my know field. You bully people on I do. Media. I, I bully them a lot. That's what right. I do late at night. So, um, so anyway, so it was this great, totally great experience, but again, completely random. And I think one of those funny life lessons of like, say yes. Say yes sometimes to things right. that you didn't think that you never had in your plan and just see where life takes you sometimes. It's really funny. So anyway, yeah, I got to go to AOL, um, their offices on Wednesday and AOL build is the series. And if you go to AOL, AOL you'll find a bunch of them. They have like one a day, sometimes well, we'll two put, a day. We'll put the link to your show in the Great. show notes so yeah. people can watch it. Yeah. But it was just, a, just generally, they have some really cool panels and sessions going on And it was an, inter- an interesting panel. And, yeah. And it was fun to watch you. I watched the live stream. Uh-huh. With the baby, I thought <laughs> you broke the, ba- the no screen. Rule. I broke the no screen rule so the baby could watch the live stream. I put it up on the big TV through you know Apple TV <laughs> and did that. And I was a little disappointed because I thought she would have this big reaction to seeing mommy on TV, but she had she no reaction care. at all. Yeah. No, she had no reaction. Oh, that kid! But we did watch it. We did watch it. <laughs> oh, thanks. And you did very very well. <laughs> thanks. You can moderate me anytime. Oh, thanks. So that was fun. So next, I want to do a segue from last week, which is last week we had a big conversation about when do we finish books, the 50 page rule, the one page rule, whatever. Um, And that led us to thinking about, okay, well, finishing reading a book is one thing. As writers, when do you stop writing a book that's just not working? Other than when you get to the end. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I, you know, because lately, lately I have gotten to the point where I stop before I start. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because, so you're stopping at the idea point. Well, you know, I had an experience with one of my books that I shall not name where I was very unhappy with the final product. And I kept thinking there's something wrong with this book. There's something wrong with this book. And I didn't know what it was. And people around me said, no, it's fine. It's fine. And I published it. And to this day, I look at that book and I go, man. I just, I missed something there Hmm. and maybe I shouldn't have even written it. Maybe I should have written something else instead. Hmm. I don't like that feeling. You know, I said a couple of weeks ago that, that I'll be dead someday and what'll be left is a shelf full of books and that's how I feel. And I want them all to be great books that I'm proud of. And so the fact that there's one out there that I'm just kind of like, Oh, I, I missed it. So I really, these days I always tell people that I won't start writing a book until I get to the nuns and puppies stage. Which you've heard me say uh, yes. this before, where it, by the nuns and puppies stage, I mean I would cheerfully run over a crowd of nuns and puppies if that's what it would take for me to write the book. <laughs> I have to feel that strongly about it that I would murder innocent nuns and puppies to write the book. So I really sort of don't allow myself to get started. I will turn it over again and again and again in my head and try to look at it from every angle. And I, I really, I try to, if, if it's not going to work, I try not to even start writing it. And these days that's more important than ever because time is so constrained that, you know, I don't, I don't like the idea. I never liked the idea of wasting time working on something that doesn't pan out, Mm -hmm. but now it's even worse. Yeah. 
I almost feel like, I mean, that's a huge benefit, believe it or not, to this constructed time that you and I both have, which right. is we really can only dedicate ourselves to passion projects. Right. What, what, what's the saying? Nothing focuses a man's mind greater than the prospect of his hanging in the morning. I don't know that saying. So I think it's Mark Twain. You basically know all of these strange old sayings that I have never heard before. It's Yale. really interesting. Yale. I was, <laughs> was going to say old age, but if you oh, want to go with Yale, that's fine. I'll let you have that one. It's a combination of the two. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. I have a lot when of... When do you stop? I mean, you've I, written some things. I and... have written some things. I have also written and not written a lot of other things, as I'm sure most writers have. Um, but yeah, I mean, I if you look through the folders on my computer, I have a long list of started att- of attempts at books. Right. Um, and I think, I think it's always been the case with me because I've always been a full-time employee somewhere. It's that, you know, things just sort of fizzle out if I'm not totally into them. And so that's how I know if, if I find myself not wanting to sit down and write right. or not thinking about the project, then I know it's the wrong project. So it's that's true. pretty easy to then switch gears and stop. So you don't worry about getting seduced by a great premise and it turns out that there's nothing there no, really, this, but it's just I a great premise? I have had this premise for about four years now, a middle grade book that I, I've got the premise and the setting. I have absolutely no idea what the story is. Yeah. So I th- every, probably once a year I try and start it and I'm like, there's just nothing there. I, I just don't know what it is, but All I right. know the premise and the setting. Um, so... I could like I feel like I could sit down and, and try and work on that for a year, but I feel like I'd probably You get nowhere. Yeah. Do you ever think, you know, those books that you mentioned that you started on and never finished, yeah. do you ever think that that's something where you just weren't ready to write it yep. at the time and you might go back to yeah. it? Yeah. I actually, I, one of my favorite things to do, this is partly because I'm a cancer and so I'm very all about nostalgia and I see you rolling your eyes right now because I'm talking about astrology. But seriously, one of my favorite things to do is look at my old attempts at things right? because there's some stuff that I really like, or at least at the very least, there are some little nuggets that I think I could take into my current project. Right. So, um, so yeah, definitely. No, I, I mean, it's almost like with books that... I've, I've attempted in the past and couldn't get through and then read five years later and they've become my favorite books. I think that can happen with, with writing as yeah, well. Yeah. It hasn't happened to me yet, but I'm sure it has happened I, to people. I think it's a tough thing because, you know, when I talk to especially young writers, one of the issues people have mm-hmm. is, you know, I start a lot of things, but I don't finish anything. Right. And I always tell them, look, you got to finish something. Yes. Agreed like, with that. You're never going to learn how to get better if you don't finish. Yeah. You know? It's difficult, though, because one of the things you need to learn, and I think I blogged about this in one of my writing advice blogs, is you have to learn to keep going, and you also have to learn to give up. Right. Well, you have and, to learn what's worth finishing. Right, right? and that's difficult. That's yeah. a difficult thing. And I feel like the only way to know that, unfortunately, is you've got to finish a few things that you probably shouldn't have finished. Agreed. Because that's yeah. the only way you can know, yep. oh, yeah, I felt this way, and it led to this, and now I know. When I feel this way... Not to, not to bother going on, uh-huh. but yeah, because the easiest thing in the world is to start because yeah. it's fresh and it's new and it's sexy and, and, and there's something so fun about it. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's new characters and it's a new world and a new, a, a new narrative. And, and you're filled with all these daydreams about how it's successful all, this is right, going to be. It's all yeah. possible. Anything could happen. It could be, it could be the best thing you've ever written because you haven't started it yet. And so you don't know that it's crap yet. Uh-huh. And yeah, so that's difficult. And, and I really do think that, that writers out there, they've got to, you've got to slog through it and finish that first project. 
You know, I mean, I, oh God, I mean, I, my first novel that I wrote in high school was terrible, but if I hadn't written it, I wouldn't have known I could do it. I think that's the thing. Even just for your own self-confidence, you have to know that you can finish a novel. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, because then, you know, in college, when I started, I started two or three novels in college, mm-hmm. which college is a tough time to write a novel. <laughs> And I didn't finish any of them, but I didn't feel bad about it because I knew I could finish a novel. It's just, I wasn't, I couldn't finish any of these. Okay. So next I want to take another listener question. You guys know we love these. So I'm really excited. Um, Thanks, Paul. The trusty Paul. Paul Paul has a lot of questions. (laughs) So I really like this question. Paul says, how could, well, he says a lot of things first. I'm going to narrow it down to yeah, the let's, crux let's, of the let's question. Let's edit Paul down a little bit here. <laughs> Which is, um, when it comes to that first draft of a book, how close do you get? So the first draft versus the final draft. Yeah. How close are you? If if you're close at all. Yeah. Um, Barry, I think you're pretty close. Yeah. I mean, I usually am. And, and other writers hate me for that. But it's just, it's just the way that it works for me. I, I usually, I feel like... I feel like that first draft is 80, 85% of the book. Yeah. And I know people who say their first draft is 50% or less, you know, and people who say that all the writing happens in the revision stage. I hate revising. I have said for years, I just, I just hate it. I, I, I'm a restless person, I guess. I like, I, I write a book, I'm finished with it, move on to the next one. And... So, yeah, I feel like most of the books that I have published, what you read in bound form at the end of the day is pretty much what I kicked out the first time. You've got one exception going on the, right now. The big exception mm-hmm. is After the Red Rain. Yeah. Because that was me and two other guys. Right. And we kept going back and forth and changing things and, and you know, and talking about ways that things could be different. And it wasn't my story to begin with, mm-hmm. you know. So it was a little different because yeah. I had to write something that other people were giving input into. So that and then also my book Hero Type, I did a lot of revising. Really? Um, my third book. That one, that one had fairly substantial revisions. It's funny. I'm really excited to read After the Red Rain because... The versions I've read were way in the yeah, beginning. Yeah, you read you read the really early version. Yeah, and it changed it changed quite a bit. So you mentioned something about the the prologue, and I was oh, like, yeah. "There's a prologue." Like, There's a prologue. Yeah, the prologue came. The prologue was one of the la- actually probably was the last thing we wrote. Oh, that's interesting. Now that I think about it, yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I'm excited to read it. Cool. Yeah. What about you? I mean, do you think well, your I, final draft? You know, and I, I want to point out because yeah. because you may be tempted to say, "Well, there are no final drafts because I haven't That's published what anything I was yet." Going to say, yeah. See, you're, I I know you too well, but you <laughs> have published things. You are an accomplished ghostwriter, <laughs> an accomplished ghostwriter. So you have gone from first to final, yeah, and you have seen things published, just that's not true. with your name, yeah, that's true. So talk and, about that a little and with bit. those. They were actually pretty close. I would say probably 80%. Yeah, 80% of the first draft. Well, there you go. Yeah. That's, so that's why we're married. <laughs> so, yeah, I, that's true. I didn't think of that. But um, but where I am now, I mean, the, the project I'm revising now is it's pretty different. I'd say it's, pro- it's probably going to end up being about 65 to 70%. Well, do similar. you think that, well, but we're talking about 
do you mean 65 to 70% similar by the time you're done this revision yes. and ready to submit? Yes. Okay. Cause then it could change even oh, further. You're right. Absolutely. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? It could change even further once an editor. So, gets so for my, per- for my purposes, right. the non-published writer, yeah. um, my first draft and my submitted manuscript yeah. are probably 65 to 70%. And was that your experience with, cause you had two other books, you had other manuscripts you had written. I did. Yeah. Submitted. The first one is one of those books that, um, I needed to finish because I needed to t- prove to myself that I could right. finish, but it's not like a, it should never have been a book basically. Okay. Um, so I won't count that, but the book that got me my first agent right. was, gosh, I don't know. Actually, that was probably closer to 85%. Yeah, I yeah. didn't because I, I looked at it yeah, briefly it was after minor you did revision, yeah. and I didn't feel like you did any sort of wholesale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I'm doing right now is fairly, fairly substantial. Yeah, and exciting. So it is exciting. Cool. And you're moving along on it, which I is am good. moving along. Yeah. So there you go, Paul. Those are our percentages. I'm very curious about everyone else's percentages. I have though. no idea. I, I, yeah. I've been on panels with people where this question has come up. And yeah, it runs the gamut. Yeah, um, of course. You know, all over the place. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move right on into reading recommendations or what we're reading now. I'm really excited. I just said to you, I think it was today, yeah. like, oh, I have this book in my head and I can't wait for the subway ride to read it again. Um, I talked about it last week or the week before. I can't remember. But right now I'm currently reading Nova Rensuma's The Walls Around Us, which is her newest book. And I really love it. Um, I, you know, I, I take the F train to work and... The F stands for a four-letter word. And I actually tweeted the other day, you know, what a shame that the F is actually running on time today because of all the days that I would like to be stuck on the train. This is right. one of them because this book is so good. And right now, subway time is really my only reading time. So um, anyway, so I'm, I'm loving it. So my current, what am I reading is The Walls Around Us. That's great. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah. I mean, the buzz on it is Huge. ridiculous. Yeah. The buzz is just absurd. Very so exciting. I'm glad that it's living up to. There are so many times where books just don't live up to the hype. Of course. And it's just so annoying when you see people talking about them everywhere and then they suck. So it is great to see. And Nova is terrific and mm-hmm. wonderful and lovely. So it's great. It, it's the perfect conflation yeah. of everything. I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad that it's so good. Um, I just finished reading last night. The book Becoming Steve Jobs, which is this really interesting unauthorized biography of Steve Jobs written by a reporter who knew him really well and got access to all kinds of people that even, you know, people who didn't talk to the guy who wrote the official biography talked to this guy. So he's got all these high level Apple executives giving him on the record information and stuff like that. He got to talk to Jobs' widow, which was great. Wow. And it's just it's just a great book. It, It really it's very interesting. I've said before, I've talked about a, a book called You Are Not a Gadget. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, these people who create these things that we use every day are such a huge part of our lives, whether we realize it or not. It really, it's just good to understand the people behind these things yeah. because it helps us understand what the technology is doing to us and what it was intended to do to us. So it was a good book. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Great. it quite a bit. Cool. And I don't know what I'm going to read next. Ooh. Because. A mystery. Yeah. And I, Maybe I will read a mystery. Ooh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for us this week. Wait, um, should we give a quick baby update? <laughs> oh, sure. Let's give a baby we update. We should give a quick baby update because last week we talked about those dreaded words, sleep, sleep regression. Oh. <laughs> oh, we're so simpatico. Wow. <laughs> so last week we talked about the sleep regression and how we had to do sleep training again. Yep. And knock on virtual wood. 
been going great. Things have been going great. Naps she is amazing. Are, naps are still funky and weird and theoretical, but <laughs> nighttime sleeping is going really, really well. Mm-hmm. And we are just thrilled. She's wonderful. She's just a happy, happy little girl. So now we are smug parents again. And all those people <laughs> out there who were so gleeful last week. Nah. <laughs> Well, we've also been making a concerted effort to feed her real food every single day. That's true. Whereas for the sort of two weeks prior to this, it's just been when we thought about it. She is old enough that that we are now feeding her like actual like mashed up stuff. stuff. Like so, avocado and carrots. Avocado and, was her first. Her first food uh-huh. was avocado and apple and banana and she carrots and sweet potatoes. And, and the funny zucchini. thing is that now she. Um, she demands it, essentially. Ma- yeah, no. She, she she makes it very well known she when she wants it. She watched me. I was making, mashing up the carrots, getting ready Friday night, and we were going to feed her as soon as you got home. So I was getting them ready in advance, and she saw what I was doing and freaked out <laughs> because I was not giving them to her. So I started feeding her right away because she was shrieking at the top of her lungs. She wanted her damn carrots. She wants her food. She's she abated. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. You can visit us online at writinginreallife.com, where you'll find our show notes, contact form, and other info. Don't forget to subscribe to us and rate us on iTunes. Please rate us. It's the only thing that gives my life meaning. Okay. okay settle down. Okay. <laughs> we'll be back next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.